you have your Bible, if you can take them and turn them to Luke chapter 2. As we're here on Christmas Eve, a time of anticipation. I remember as a kid, if you're here as a kid this morning, ah, this afternoon, this evening, you wait and wait and wait, and finally on this night you are so close to Christmas morning. I know waiting can be one of the most difficult things we could ever possibly do in life, but there are few things as joyous as getting everything that you've been waiting for. And what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35, is a story where that actually happens, where someone gets everything that they had been waiting for. We see it, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22, as we talk about Simeon's consolation. This is the Word of God. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to, his, to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That's God's word for us tonight. Let's go to him and ask for his blessing upon it. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for Christmas Eve. Thank you for what we hope for and stories where we see that one day we're going to get everything that we've hoped for in Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. So, in verses 22 through 24, we see that Jesus' parents take him up to the temple to offer a sacrifice to obey the law of Moses. Which I think it's interesting here in this passage that the law of Moses is similar to or synonymous with the law of the Lord. That means the same thing. The law of Moses is the law of the Lord. But they're, they're going up to the temple to make these sacrifices to fulfill the law. You're supposed to, in this context, offer up a lamb. But if you are in poverty, if you are very, very poor, you could offer 
birds. And that's what we see. Jesus, a part of this poor family, is coming to offer um, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's what they're giving in this instance. Now, Jesus here is being taken to the temple to perform a sacrifice to fulfill the law of the Lord. The irony here is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrifices. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law he's fulfilling. Isn't that just so wonderful to think? This eight-day-old baby. Of course, Mary got tipped off by an angel. She, she knew that something special, but there's no way that Mary knew all that was involved here, all the significance of bringing this baby Jesus to the temple. But in verse 25, I want to introduce you perhaps to Simeon. Why are we talking about Simeon on Christmas Eve? Look at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon is truly, or was truly, a great guy. I mean, he loves God, he fears God, he treats people well, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. But the thing I want you to notice here in this verse is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means the comfort received by a person after a loss or disappointment. Comfort after a loss. You know, think about how we use the phrase often, consolation prize. Okay, so you've lost, but here's something to, to make you feel better, right? Second place trophy. Israel, in the context here, had really suffered. Israel had really lost They've been sinned against, no doubt, but also they have been suffering for their own sins. I want you to consider Egypt and the exile and evil Rome. In the context here in Luke chapter 2, God had been silent for 400 years. But there's a promise to Israel that a Messiah would come to comfort them in their affliction. That a hero, a savior, a king would come. And here's the consolation that Simeon was waiting for in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. It goes on in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government, and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's the promise. That's the consolation that Simeon was longing for. And Simeon was a devout man because he knew God's promises about the Messiah and actively put his hope in them. He waited for them to come true. This is an act of waiting. It was on his mind. He thought about it often. Just like this week, I have been anticipating Christmas morning breakfast. 
It's just been on my mind all week where we're going to have a fire in the fireplace going, Charlie Brown Christmas playing on the speaker. That's the best Christmas album, by the way, the Vince Guaraldi trio. And, you know, eating way too many biscuits, and then I'll come over here and preach and, and feel way too full. I've been waiting on that. I've been anticipating that. But Simeon is a much better example for us tonight on Christmas Eve of waiting on the promises of God. Because as Simeon waited for the first coming of Christ, we as Christians in this room are called to wait for the second coming of Christ. And that's really the vibe of Christmas Eve that I want you to think about tonight. That Simeon was just longing and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And we today, as we look back towards Christmas, yes, we, we rejoice in Christmas morning, but Jesus' first coming should point us to Jesus' second coming. And it should fill our hearts with longing. And one of my goals tonight is just to remind you that Jesus has promised to return. He's promised to come again. We have this promise in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. That says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. I want to encourage you tonight that for those in Christ, our eternal consolation is coming. The story goes on. In verses 26 through 32, we see that Simeon didn't just have a general promise of the consolation of God, but he had a specific promise given to him by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he died. So Simeon goes to church like a faithful Jew, sees an eight-day-old baby and knows this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the consolation of Israel. This is everything I've been waiting for. It reminds me of the lyrics. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. He picks up the child and blesses God. Look what he says. He took up, um, up him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. God has kept his promise. He has seen the Son of God, the Messiah, and he is ready to die. I think this is just a brief glimpse of how deeply satisfying Jesus Christ is that he just sees Jesus as an eight-day-old baby and says, okay, I'm ready to depart. I'm ready to go. He declares three things I want to point out. He says, number one, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Seeing this boy was seeing the salvation of God because Jesus is God's salvation for us. Next thing he says is a light of revelation to the Gentiles in verse 32, which shows us that we can know who God the Father is by looking at 
what Jesus was like on this earth. There's no questioning who is God, what is he like, how does he feel about us. We can read the word of God, we can read the gospels and know who God is because he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And finally, glory to your people Israel. Israel was in shame. They had fallen short of the glory of God. They had faced loss and deep disappointment. But they were going to be restored and receive consolation through the work of Jesus Christ. Then the end in verse 33. It says, And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Imagine this scene. Just try to enter into this narrative. If you were the parents of this baby. Now, I know already in Jesus' short life and pre-birth, a lot of amazing things have happened, but the hits just keep on coming. Imagine you just go to the temple with your baby. You're about to do a sacrifice. This old man picks up your child, blesses God, and says, I'm ready to die now because I have seen the salvation of God. Look what they do. They, They marvel at what was said about Jesus. And I want to encourage you to marvel this Christmas. And honestly, if you're not marveling at everything we're talking about here, what we're going to be talking about in the morning, you're missing it. This is a breathtakingly miraculous, hard-to-believe story that a baby is born that solves the world's problems. And this random old guy recognizes this baby immediately, which shows that this had to be a work of the Holy Spirit On his heart, just as he got the promise that he'd see the Messiah, the Holy Spirit had to reveal to Simeon in that moment, this is it. This is the promise. And how beautiful is that, right? How Christmassy. How how magical. Baby comes, he just knows in his heart of hearts. But then Simeon makes things complicated. In verses 34 through 35, he gives a prophecy that's actually kind of difficult where he says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is a consolation for some, but he's a crisis for others. Jesus is going to lift up the humble, but he's going to simultaneously tear down the proud. No one, what we see here in this passage, is no one is going to be neutral about this child. He is going to do the ministry of separation, where he is going to separate and reveal the hearts and thoughts of people, where it's going to be very clear who is Jesus and who is the world's. And you know what? is so interesting is that is happening right now in this room. Jesus, through the, through the Holy Spirit, through His Word, is doing a ministry of separation. There's no neutral ground in here. I hope you know that. You are either here to submit to King Jesus with your entire life and worship Him, or you are currently and actively rebelling against King Jesus and rejecting Him. That's what Jesus does. He does this ministry of separation. So through Jesus, yes, he brings consolation. But Jesus will also bring a crisis to his mother. If anybody's feeling bad about their kids, mine's making noises up here too, so it'll be okay. Verse 35 says, A sword will pierce through your own soul also. 
Something is going to happen to Mary's son, this eight-day-old baby that is going to pierce her heart. This is a prophecy of Jesus' death on a cross. This doesn't sound like consolation, does it? A brutal criminal's death. But ultimately, in the wisdom of God, we now know there would be no consolation without the cross. Without the cross, all that we would have is condemnation. All we would have is a crisis. But now, because of the suffering of the promised Messiah in our place, we can be consoled. We can be comforted. God has fulfilled His promises through the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is hope and comfort and salvation found in Him. We find eternal consolation in Jesus Christ. And that's what we've come to remember tonight. This story is about a man who received the promise of God and he waited on God's promise and he saw it fulfilled in his day. And I'm here to tell you there's a promise of consolation that only Christ can give Not only on this earth now, not just this Christmas season, but for eternity. That's offered to you tonight in Jesus Christ. That's why we've come to worship. 